You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Steven. Hi. Steven, you're a man of many talents, <laughs> many interests, and has a particular set of skills. And something piqued me about you that I find super interesting, and I think you know what I'm talking about. Well, I'm interested. What is it that uh, piqued your interest? Well, the word cult comes to mind. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So I suppose I wear a few hats, really. Um, I mean, my day job for the last 15 years, I've been working in organizations as a business improvement coach, really. So that's, that's what pays the bills. Um, but I've just completed a master's in organizational psychology. And part of that was my research, which was looking at how members of what I tend to call high control groups, how members of high control groups who leave those organizations sort of managed to make sense of their lives afterwards. And um, particularly in relation to getting jobs and careers and, uh, and just understanding who they are. I'm particularly interested in born-ins, if you like. So people that have been born into groups as opposed to those that get converted at some point because um, they, know, they know nothing else. Um, so that's quite an interesting area. So I've done some work on that. And then the other part of my life is um i'm a podcaster and filmmaker with my daughter celine which is um taking a lot of my time currently but i'm kind of enjoying it what do you typically podcast about so the the podcast is called what should i think about question mark um and the idea is the setup really is that you know if you've come from a high control group cult if you like um especially if you were born in when you leave that group you've actually got all these decisions to make about everything. So things that you probably take for granted or you've developed over years, you know, to come to opinions about politics or um, what to eat, you know, food, sport, um, sexuality, anything really, that's all been decided for you as part of the group. So when you leave, um, you've got to make all these decisions uh, and that can be quite overwhelming. So it's something that, so one thing I haven't told you about myself is that I grew up in such a group. So I sort of experienced that over 20 years ago. So it's kind of me looking back at that period saying, you know, this is, these are the sorts of questions. If you're leaving a group, these are the sorts of questions that you're going to be engaged with. And it, it's not too serious. So we try to make it a bit lighthearted and a bit fun because, you know, it can be a bit depressing. But we try to make it, it um, see the funny side of things as well. And of course, it gives you a fantastic opportunity. You've got all this life ahead of you now and all these options you can choose. Um, it can be a bit overwhelming, but it's also pretty exciting. So the podcast is really about that. So we cover a different subject every, currently we're doing two a week, but every week at least. And we look at, um, you know, what what should I think about politics? What should I think about um people in cults what should i think about um 
contraception what should i so and, and the idea is we're not going to tell people what to think but what the idea is is just engaging with those questions and sort kind of saying like well, how, how do you come to the conclusion do you know yeah, like a little bit of a recovery of it too. See, like a lot of people, I don't, I, I to, to honestly speak, when we say the word cults, I think anything can really beam down to a cult. Um, obviously, some are more severe than others. Um, but I mean, I found out in an episode that the education system was a cult. I mean, we used to stand up every single day and say the Pledge of Allegiance for no particular reason, just because it was for our troops. And it was like, is it really for our troops? Because like, why is God blessing just one nation and not blessing the rest of them? You know what I mean? It's this weird kind of programming you start to realize. But man, I was watching so many documentaries of people that were involved in cults and things of that sort. And my heart goes out even to the leaders or to the person that's being followed in it themselves, because it just depends on where they're coming from i mean the brain especially a lot of people that end up leaving cults um at least from hearing certain cases of like i don't know if you know who norm mcdonald is um no, tell me that. he's a famous comedian from canada but um he was on snl and a bunch of other things but he used to have a show on netflix called the norm mcdonald show and one of his co-hosts adam egot was a part of a cult called Sea where like kids would jump off cliffs there was a girl that slit her own throat there was a it was just a horrible experience and he didn't realize until 10 15 years out of the um cult that uh he was um, in a cult and he was like, yeah, I'm really and you hear it from a lot of people that have survived these types of things or gotten out of them is that they're very susceptible to manipulation a little bit. They're kind of malleable and stuff, you know, like wanting to be a part of something. And I think we all want to be a part of something. I mean, social media has probably been the biggest cult of all time, considering anybody can separate and do whatever they want. I mean, it's technically really about gaining followers and stuff. So uh, but I think the world really has this idea or stereotype of what it is and it really shocked everyone when we found out like bohemian grove for instance like when people saw that happening like is that a cult i'm like i've been saying for years the freemasons was a cult doesn't mean everybody's sacrificing chickens but it is like a fraternity aspect like sometimes movies make it out to be this thing where you have to spin a drywall and knock on a door 12 times and do a backflip mm. and something magically appears open but there is a system in play and it happens to do with the possession of power. And this is when it gets a little bit crazy because when you look at these cult leaders, are they insane or have they gone a little bit mad with power? Sometimes you can trick yourself into believing something so much you end up doing it. Um, but like, if you take heaven's gate or people's temple, these types of giant cults that end up a lot of times it might be a mental issue where this person believes themselves to be so much. I mean, if you're on screen saying I'm Jesus Christ and you end up after a while starting to believe it a little bit because you literally have so many, you have built up a following to where people are now worshiping everything you stand on every word you say, doing everything you act, you get this sense of power to you. And the hard part is when you give someone that much power, it's very, very, very corrupting to someone's mind and trying to isolate and pull yourself back from that is damn near impossible. I mean, it's like when I worked at a casino, for instance, I had a security badge on. I had no fucking gun. But I had the balls on me to be able to say anything to anybody, but I noticed that issue and I realized there's a position of power that a lot of people get and they're not meant for that. They're we typically call them Karens today, you know, with the mass police or something <laughs> like that. It's you don't have sometimes people don't have a lot of control in their everyday life. So 
when they're looking for guidance and that guidance isn't there, then suddenly they're given a position of power. It's very, very corrupting and they feel like they can just throw it everywhere. And that doesn't really work because then you start offending people, you start affecting other people's lives and you get this over inflated ego, which is not like, it's not their fault. It just happens to be, at least in my opinion, kind of a title with the job. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've covered a lot of psychological concepts there in, in what you're talking about. And um, I mean, you're absolutely spot on to point to power as being a key element. So one of the things um, that most cult researchers identify is, is the, the idea of control. So if you're trying to work out whether, see, I'd, as I say, I tend not to use the word cult because in a way, it is so difficult to pin down what it is. I mean, we talk about cult films and cult TV shows and things, and all that means is that, you know, a few people like it, but they really love it, you know? Um, so it's kind of confusing term. I think what we're really worried about, what we should be worried about are dangerous groups that, um, that control people in an undue way. So they, they have, undue influence over people to do things that are not in their interests so what what these damaging groups do what these high control groups do and um, to, to varying degrees is they control your your opinions about things they control your thinking they control what you can do they control your behavior um, and the more they control the higher on that kind of cult scale if you like they go so there's lots of influence in society all the time. You identified that with your practices at school and in work and so on. And that's why I'm interested in a way professionally as well, because, of course, I work in organizations and businesses and factories and so on. And, and there's lots of rituals and little social things going on there. But what makes them different is that they don't have this kind of totalistic control over people. And that's the bit I think that that we worry about. So we're being influenced all the time by advertising, by um, opinions on YouTube or Facebook or whatever. Yeah, you kind but of start to when, wonder what opinion- It's when you get this control. Yeah, you kind of start to wonder what opinion have you forged? Is it really truly your own or is it something that's been influenced into you? I mean, so many people, especially when they see the news or something, for instance, they see an article and they run 100% that this article- they're so passionate and so angry about it that they'll lash out at someone without even reading the full extent of it to know because news is programming you to get your attention and what can get people hooked is when there's trauma happening, when there's something bad happening. It just shows you that like the cults that we know about or control groups, for instance, or the people like Pe Heaven's Gate or People's Temple, they're the ones that were blatant about it and so obvious, but no one even looks at identifying the slight characteristics of one that's secretly doing things, such as saying, you know, you don't have to do this, but we would like you to. And if you really want to be liked, for instance, you would get farther because we'd help you a little bit more. I, I noticed this when I was talking with academics and hearing how hard it was for them to be able to do research studies based on their school that was funding them. If you weren't in good standing with their school, they weren't going to give you the money to do their research. And you realize, okay, well, how do I get in good standing? I have to do everything that you want done. So I'm not actually doing my own experiment anymore. Now you've controlled my whole entire thing and it's like well then where do we draw the line when you're telling someone to uproot their whole family and move because you don't like what they're studying so you're trying to pull them out of what they're doing and this is the point really you know we're, we're being 
influenced for good or ill all the time. So if you, so I suppose my concern a bit, and when we talk about cults, and, and it's something I'm still kind of trying to work out myself, I, I don't have a, um, you know, I'm not going to stand up on a, a pedestal and say I've got it all sorted, because I, I feel that this is quite a complex question, but I worry a bit if we call everything a cult, um, and you could end up doing that if you're not careful, you know, and, um, and so I think we have to draw... There isn't a firm line. There's kind of a fuzzy line between what you might consider dangerous groups or cults and just basically the sort of social influence that happens all the time. You know, I if, if I try to get um, the delivery man to come at two o'clock instead of three o'clock, you know, I'm trying to influence him to do that. Um, if you're if you've got children and you want them to uh, listen at school, then you might employ all sorts of um little techniques to try and get them to think it's important to listen at school because they're going to learn stuff that they need to get a job. So we're, we're all the time trying to influence each other. Um, but there's a, there's a point at which it becomes dangerous and it starts to um, eat into the personality of the individual. So they no longer do it for their own good, really. They're doing it for the benefit of the the leader of the group or leaders of the group. And so that's, that's the, that's the area. So again, think, think undue control, think undue influence. And it's the degree to which people are, are undergoing that. So for instance, if you say to somebody, um, first of all, you, you get them into a group or they're born into a group and they don't know all the full facts. They, they kind of dedicate themselves to this group and then you tell them that if they leave the group, that they'll not be able to talk to their family. They'll be shunned. That's the they'll worst be one basically cut off. So that is a technique that, of course, is designed to keep people in. Um, and there's more subtle things than that. For instance, telling people that if they think wrong thoughts then, you know, they're a sinner or that God is going to punish them or some other entity, depending on the type of cult, um, then obviously you start to control the way they think. So even just thinking about something becomes dangerous and something that the person worries about. And so they gradually become molded by the organization until they are very easy to control. Um, and that's done through a systematic process of, um, yeah, it's sort of eating away at the person's own self and gradually replacing it with a new one. But of course, if you're a born in, you don't even have that initial self to go back to. So that's the area that I'm really interested in. There's a lot of work that's been done on bringing people out of cults who've gone into cults, but I don't think there's, a mu there's not much work that's been done for those who are born into them. Yeah. As you can imagine, coming out of that would be quite, well, incredibly difficult. Well, it was, I had talked to an extra Jehovah's Witness and he was telling me, um, his name's Harry. He was telling me all about like he was born into it. And then he just started questioning things and started realizing like, you know, it's just getting a little bit weird. And when he was isolated away from everyone, um, now he can't even talk to his own family. And I'm like, what the shock on your brain? He's like, I'm experiencing more than I've ever experienced before, wondering why it was all taboo. And I was like, it's like the stages of denial or the stages of like going through grief, but it's like the opposite. It's the arsenal of what these people put into their pocket, such as like, I have 
fear that I can use against you. I have violence. I can use all these other acts of it. It's like a, you're treating, you're talking to a child. And it, 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 here's what gets me is if there is someone like me and you, for instance, could walk into someone who has nothing or no idea about the certain subject that we're talking about, but we have all the information for we could look at them like this person doesn't understand anything. It's like talking to a toddler. Like if me and you were talking to a toddler, we'd be like, all right, we're a little bit advanced or older, you know, pat them on the head, give them a lunchbox and tell them to get on his way. If we do that to somebody who's doing that to us. And then the example would be Elon Musk, for instance, and Elon Musk is way more advanced probably than most of the population. He looks at us probably of like an ape intelligence, but then who's above Elon Musk? Who goes to this like Illuminati level where we're like, what the hell's going on? That's where I start to question because I'm like, if there's that guy <laughs> who's that smart, who's got billions of dollars and I'm scraping paycheck to paycheck, who's above that dude that looks at Elon Musk like, yeah, sure, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're going to well, Mars. You're going to Mars. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm not going to comment on Elon Musk, um, but I would say that thinking about um, groups like you described, the leaders are not that smart. So it's not that they're employing something that is really, really clever. These are pretty simple techniques. Actually, that's one of the other things I think people um, perhaps get uh, are mistaken about. They think that there's these exotic techniques that they use to get people to lose their mind through, you know, all sorts of clever trickery. And I'm sure there are some, some groups that use exotic tricks but most of the time it's fairly simple things that we know quite a lot about like social pressure for instance you know we we know through psychological experiments that people do tend to go along with other people there's been quite a few experiments that have been that have shown that um you know even if there's a particularly interesting one was a group of people sat at uh, computers or sat in an office and uh, it looks like the smoke coming under the door. Um, and most of the people in the room are confederates of the experiment, apart from one person who doesn't know it's an experiment. And what, you know, all the people are sat there working away and the smoke coming under the door. And um, all these people are sat, sat around doing their work. And there's this poor one soul who doesn't know it's a, a, an experiment. He thinks there's smoke coming under the door. He thinks there's a fire. He believes there's a fire. But because nobody else is getting up and running out the, the room or getting out the room or calling the fire brigade, he just sits there. And the reason for that is because of the social pressure. So we know that people behave in ways that they are conditioned to do because of social pressure. So one of the things that we do, we tend to look around and think, yeah, what is everybody else doing? I'll do that. And so that's one of the things that cults use. They use this social pressure. So when you first go, so your friend who is a Jehovah's Witness, if he goes to a meeting for the first time, he gets what's called love bond. So everybody, oh, hello, it's so lovely to see you. You know, and everybody's lovely and friendly and they're so, so happy to see him. And they make a fuss of him and so on. And so that's the first thing that happens. You think, oh, this is a really lovely place. I really like it here. Um, at that point, they don't say, by the way, you know, in a couple of years time, if you become a member and you leave, you'll have to, you'll get shunned. They don't tell you that, obviously. 
but at the, at the start, it's about a community. So the more you get involved in the community, then the more you rely on them. And then what they start to do is they start to say, well, really, you shouldn't associate so much with the people in the world, the people that are not Jehovah's Witnesses. And this applies to lots of groups. Um, so best not to have association with those people. Have all your association with the congregation, with us, this group. And so they start to gradually drop their friends and family. They don't have anything to do with them because they're bad associations. So yeah, I'll just stick to the congregation and the friends. Of course, what they're doing is they're now creating a situation where you are totally dependent for all your social life on this group. And then it just becomes really difficult to leave because everything you know, all the people you care about, they're all part of that group. So this, this is not a clever, you know, super amazing technique. It's kind of common sense. It's kind of straightforward, but it is very effective. So um, I wouldn't say that these guys are, are super intelligent. If you've watched any of the footage of the leaders of, of these groups, you know, sometimes they, um, they come across as very um, unstable and, you know, not really very bright. But they're just using these simple techniques. Is um there's a show called Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell. It's on um Hulu. It's a crazy name, but it kind of takes takes place like demons in an IT department in hell, and then they have to work with Satan. And they're like all all these people and like chains are coming into the room that are like hanging. They're getting ready for torture or whatever. And then it's a cult that comes in. It was a cult suicide. So they go, oh my god, it's a cult, and they start clapping. And the guy just goes, this is just the stage before the comet comes and takes us up into Feetopia or something like that. And you're talking to the cult guy and it's his way of trickery, especially he was isolating. Um, he ended up converting one of the demons to his cult. Um, but he was talking to him and he goes, you are the special one, the chosen one. And this one and starts going with this story where it's like, it's all about the way you talk too. if you're a very good convincer, if you're very good at um, the words you use to be able to convey something, you can really, especially you got to look at the people that could get hooked to that are right now. The world is in a severe, like hurt stage right now. So everyone is looking for something either to get their attention or something to feel different, wants to feel peculiar. I mean, everybody in the world goes, we might be a part of the same group, but I have this color wristband and you have a different one. They just want to isolate themselves as much as they want to be part of a group, mainly because they want to be the, the, the spotlight. And I think that's because for so long, it's seen as the spotlight will get you everything. And now it's kind of bite the hand that fed i guess you should say you know everybody in the spotlight now is kind of against it well i, I think what's happening with um i mean more than ever uh, we've always done this because it's part of our nature but human beings are tribal really so we we do like to find our tribe we like to to have the the security of having a group around us so we've always done that to some degree but because of social media it's so much easier to find our tribe now and so it's uh, what this is doing is it's kind of separating everybody into little groups i mean you kind of got i don't know probably not good to get into politics but in most countries we've got kind of left and right politics um, but then within those groupings you've got little groupings as well and it's just um, atomizing society in, in, a, in lots of ways. So we've now got all these divisions and, and they all have their own language, their own phrases, their own jargon. Um, and I suppose that's the thing that worries uh, people the most is that we are, we are kind of, we get to a point where we're not able to talk to each other. So, I mean, that's a bigger problem, but I think, you know, it does speak to that. And I mean, one of the things that 
that um, Margaret um, Thaler Singer, who's one of the, the old um, cult kind of original researchers, she talked about how in the 60s particularly, it was ripe for cults because there was lots of, you know, there's the Vietnam War that was just come off the Second World War. And, um, and there's also all these movements around, you know, rejecting um, authority and so on. All that was going on. And so that was a good time for cults because they they could take advantage of these shifting political allegiances and it, it meant that people were looking for something. So you're right. I think that's true. And at the moment we're in that one of those periods, aren't we? There's lots of there's lots of competing voices and it, it feels like sometimes we can't even talk to each other, which is why programs like this um, shows like this are so important, isn't it? Well, it, here's the funny thing is, even though these shows might be important as the ones that get stigmatized the most, because if you mention anything about even if you say control group or if you say the word cult or something, it turns into this. You're going against religion. You're going against something. I'm like, it, it, from what I've read, statistically wise, there's about 60 something percent of the population that doesn't have a religion or chooses to worship at home just because of how weird it's gotten a little bit with this whole like, you know, Sunday come to church, you know, you're going to be part of the community, part of the organization. They just thought that they didn't feel like it was teaching. So they're going to worship in their own way. Then Scientology went from 8% to now 16%. So I'm wondering in the past 10 years, why it took in, it basically doubled. And I think it's because now there's new concepts going, th getting thrown in with yeah, it was created by this guy who wrote a lot of sci-fi, but who's to say he's not wrong? And then and now it's just this open of everyone either doing it because it's stigmatized, doing it because it's been pushed down. It's like the underdog they're seeing it. And I'm like, you're talking to a guy that's got Scientologists in his DMs, got flat earthers in his DMs, got a bunch of these people that just follow me all because I happened to stumble across a guest that was involved in that type of thing. And the main thing I always ask is just the question. Questions are important. And when something won't let you ask these questions or tells you to leave because you're raising a question, I start to ask even more because I'm wondering why, if there's this much faith, if there's this much this, and it gets stigmatized, like we're dismantling it. Nobody's dismantling your beliefs, but there needs to be a certain focus on certain things. For instance, um, linguistical programming, which is just using fancy words to be able to convey somebody's thought patterns such as like we see with the masks. When this first thing started with the pandemic, masks were like, that's weird as shit. Then it became this thing of like, that person's not wearing a mask. You get that thought in your head. I ask a bunch of people that aren't even pro mask. They were like, they complain about it 24 seven. I'll wear it if I have to, I don't give a shit. Um, I sweat for my nose, which sucks, but whatever. Um, but I'll see somebody like, you know, without a mask or something in my and a thought that goes in my head is that person's not wearing a mask. And you realize that's just been brainwashed into you from just news and all these things telling you that it, the health risk from it, whether it's true, whether it's not. There's so much information that ends up coming out like a couple months later saying, oh, now you got a double mask. And I'm like, that's like wearing two condoms and then wearing pants on top of it. It doesn't make fucking sense. But OK, if you think that's going to fly, nobody rolled with that because nobody was even liking the first one but there are people that do that because they think they built it up in their head and i think much like we all did when this first started was it was going to be like a thanos snap where half the population was going to die i don't know and i just ask people i'm that middle of the road type of guy where you're like pick a fucking side i don't know 
because I don't think anybody knows. I think we're all trying to figure out what it is and whatever makes you comfortable, you should be doing because I don't believe in trying to tell someone they need to do something. I don't believe in trying to control them. I'm out here making sure I'm not dis discerning anybody or limiting from anything. And I think that's the worst thing in my mind is when you tell someone they can't see their family, you're telling someone that they can't do something, whether it's a control group, Freemasons, whatever you want to call it, you can't interfere with someone's, I guess, choices in their life. If a person is going to do drugs, you can sit there and give them, don't do drugs. They're going to end up doing whatever they feel like they should be doing. But telling a person if they talk to a certain someone, they're going to lose faith in the community. That's now you're holding like a bargaining chip over their head. And to me, that's just not right. Yeah. I mean, again, you've, you, you, you obviously got loads of, you got loads of really interesting psychological, um, questions there that you're raising which is brilliant um i think what one of the, the the things you're you're talking about with the masks and so on is i suppose normalization so we get used to certain things um so i mean when you watch a when i watch a film now if like their mates suddenly uh, meet each other and they give each other a hug you think Jesus, you know, get away because of the, you know, you need to be socially distancing. Um, so we're kind of, we're, we're conditioned now um, to that. And that's just because of the norm that, that you, you get used to. Um, so I, I, I remember the first time I flew on an aeroplane. Um, I was quite, I was an adult when I first went on a plane. And, um, and the first time I did it, I was absolutely terrified, you know. But then after, after a few times, I got a job where I had to do a lot of flying. I start to not notice it really. I don't even think about it. And that's because it just gets normalized. So we do get used to things one way or another. So if you're used to people wearing masks in certain areas and you see that they're not, then straight away, that's, oh, that's, that's something different. That's something that um, I didn't expect. Um, I think the, the other thing I would say is um, one of the things I think we don't do very well, um, certainly in, in the UK, and I, I, I don't know about the USA, but is we don't do very well of, of teaching children um, as they go to school about critical thinking and, and being able to weigh up evidence, which I think is one of the biggest problems we've got at the moment is that, you know, if somebody comes along with an idea, um, of course, everybody's got a right to have an opinion and an idea, but for me to be um, willing to accept that, I need some evidence. I need some good evidence and just directing me to another YouTube channel or another person with an opinion isn't good enough. You know, I spent the last eight years in academia trying to learn how to um, weigh up evidence and it's not easy, but I think it's probably the most important skill. Um, and that's got nothing to do with how smart you are or, you know, what school you went to originally or anything like that. It's just about, okay, how do I weigh up this claim that's been made? And I, I just think that's the bit we're lacking, really. And that's why you get lots of conversation going round and round in circles. So, you know, masks is a good, a good example. So, okay, what about masks then? Should we be wearing masks? Well, in the early days, we didn't have a lot of evidence, really, either way because it's a new disease. We know that most diseases are spread through things like droplets of 
of um, spittle, if you like, in the air, or through touching things that have been other people have touched, and so you get infected that way. We know about other diseases, but we didn't really know about COVID because, or this particular um, type of COVID, because it was a new disease to us. So I think that's why the beginning, there was a bit of, because in the UK, you know, there's no evidence to say it's right or that it's better. And then gradually more evidence comes to light because we do research on it. We do tests to see how much of the particulates come through or reach somebody when you're breathing or in the air. And so that all that work is done, but that takes weeks and months to do. And so at some point, the experts decide based on the evidence that, yeah, it reduces the risk if people wear masks. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not um, a medical doctor, but I've got confidence that in the uh, research processes that I've seen, and I've done some of those myself in other fields, that it gives me confidence that that's, that's at least a, um, a good way to go. Is it going to protect you 100%? No. It might protect you 50%. I don't know, by the way. I'm just guessing here. It might protect you X percent. So, okay. And then, then you ask the question, well, well, you didn't, but one could ask the question, well, I can do this, but I can't do that. But then you think, well, it's all about reducing risk. So if I'm going to do two risky bits of behavior, if I reduce that to one risky behavior, then I've reduced my risk. So these are the sorts of critical thinking that, um, that I'd like to see young people taught in school. And of course, I think your point is absolutely brilliant, is that you know the beginning of wisdom, it was Socrates, I think, that said it. The beginning of wisdom is knowing that you know nothing. Yeah, I mean, I've, so, I've talked to so many know, people, I can tell you I know nothing. I learned that from the, the 10th guest. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, like, you got to look at everybody's perspective. I mean, a lot of the things that go into, like, control groups, for instance, and people that can be conformed into them would probably be behavioral things or things that happen in their environment that cause them to want a need or fill a hole or maybe even where a person's at in their life. If you're really, really sad and you're looking for something that might, you know, f bring comfort to you, technically, that would be a a bowling league could even be that, you know, you're, you're, you're hanging with friends. You're having a positive influence. You will be part of this group because they're doing something. Maybe you don't like bowling, but you like the community. So you're willing to do the bowling to get with the community. But the issue was, um, when the government, for instance, when they first incited lockdown, uh, when this happened back in like February or whatever, March of last year, I raised a question to someone and they didn't really know, even though they were older than me, they didn't think it was what I thought it was. And I said, a place is telling you that if you leave your home, you're going to get a $5,000 fine. When is that against my rights that are in my bill of rights that I can have freedom of speech and no, no governing force would have a control over me like this. It kind of seems like my rights are amendments or something's being affected here. Then after talking to a bunch of people and now recent information coming out, they completely tossed out the bill of rights. They said, fuck it. And they did a bunch of things because they incited fear into your mind that you're going to kill someone. Then after two weeks, 
it was a little bit longer than what they said. And you realize they were goalpost moving. They wanted to see how far they could get. Next thing you know, people said, I'm not doing lockdown anymore. I knew someone that owned a business and killed themselves. People were getting fed up because they were losing their livelihoods. So the, that's when suddenly everything opened back up. Then they're telling you Florida's numbers and all these other places like Texas or all these crazy states. But then recently, when you get to see their numbers and you see that their numbers aren't bad at all, like they're not as bad as some other areas in the country that are doing the protocols, Fauci comes out and says that, oh, that's because they're now listening. They're paying attention. They're doing as we said. It's like, hold on a fucking second. You're piggybacking the success of a place that you shit on in the first place you're trying to make it and convince it and twist it to fit your narrative to make it look like you were right when you were wrong and there's been scientists now coming out saying like never gonna shake hands again what the fuck don't put fear into people's heads. You're not helping the situation. You want to give people incentive to get a vaccine. I watched on the view and that's a fucking terrible show, at least from what I first saw of it. But a woman comes on and goes, this Minnesota mother is bitching that her kid has to wear a mask. And I'm like, did they just use bitching on the fucking news? Hang on a minute. What am I watching? And then a bunch of people that she was talking to on The View, she was turning to, what do you think about this? And everyone was like, I don't think she's bitching at all. I mean, I fear for my kids. They're four or five years old wearing a mask to school. They don't see facial emotions. They don't see interactions. We're cutting that out of their lives. And then later she goes, well, maybe I used the wrong term of bitching. And I'm like, you're fucking the only one fighting this fight. That's why you're backing down. You thought a bunch of people were going to rile up with you, which you see on social media. There's one person that we all probably have seen or know whenever they see a post that's going viral, they'll comment like, yeah, justice or this or that or that without reading what the actual fucking thing is because they feel like this is going to get them more support. A bunch of people that are listening to them and now you're up on a pedestal and then you see all the people that comment, you're fucking stupid. You're this. They can turn on you in a quick instance when they were trying to uh, protest schools, for instance, they were rioting um towards schools and by they i just mean it was some social group um i don't it, it wasn't of a certain ethnicity it was about some type of standards that was going on there um i i i don't know fully but a guy was saying yeah we need to do this and lower their grade point average so more people can get into this school and he was leading this fight and then they all fucking turned on him it was something about like Native Americans or something like that need to get reparations for something because the school was taking advantage, which that should be looked into. But they did it in a protest way. And then he thought they were never going to turn on him and they fucking kicked him to the curb and they turned on him. And it's a bunch of people leading a charge and not realizing what they're building because now you're replacing thought with emotion and emotion never acts clearly. It focuses out of the heat of the moment. Senses like when someone's driving and they get out of the car, like you fucking cut me off. A logical person, critical thinking would say, does this person have a gun? Am I really this mad at this situation to want to get into an altercation where I could lose my life? That's critical thinking, but it's so hard because in the moment you're so fucking ready to shove your fist up their ass. <laughs> it's because we're human beings. Yeah. You know, it's hard, isn't it? I mean, you know, uh, we don't, you know, I'm exactly the same. We, we all have our own, um, 
kind of prejudices and um, and positions, I guess. And so, yeah, it's so easy just to go along with that. I think, you, you, you know, what you're saying about um, people jumping on to um, people's comments and so on, I think that's that's one of the things I was talking about before. It's about signaling to the tribe that, you know, I'm part of this tribe. And so you've got to constantly signal to make sure that everybody knows that you are part of this tribe and anybody that doesn't do that, doesn't say the right thing, then of course you, you get, um, you get jumped on for that. So yeah, that's pretty dangerous. Um, I, I, I worry about that. I mean, I try to be very, very careful on Twitter. I'm one of the, I guess I'm quite different to most people on Twitter. I use Twitter quite a lot, but I I've learned over the years that I just don't want to get into any arguments with anybody. So I, I just constantly try to look to, I agree with those things I agree with, I ignore the things I don't. Um, and I just find that that means I don't have a, a very unpleasant life, you know? Um, That's probably what you thought yeah. when I sent you a DM. You were probably like, what does this person want? Is this going to be an argument? Is this going to be – nobody in the world, and I can tell you from the 700-something episodes and people I've talked to, nobody thinks when a, a random DM goes into their thing that it's either going to be some person asking about your ancestors or some person you know, offering spiritual advice or a person that's commenting because of something you posted rather than me – where I legit just want to have a conversation. That's not the norm because everything you experience on social media is aggression or it's something it else or it's something not. Well, oh, there's a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that. And I just, I don't like it. You know, Rob, I don't, I don't like it. I I'm, I'm somebody who I learned this quite some time ago with me personally, that um, if I start fights, I find it unpleasant emotionally. So I'd rather not start fights. Um, and that might sound like I'm a coward and I'm not because I will obviously stick up for myself. But I just think, well, why? Why, why would I go and poke all these bears? I'm just going to, um, you know, live my life as peaceably as possible. Yeah, sure. I've got things I like to say and I've got opinions. But a lot of the disagreements and aggression on social media is... It feels very performative, really. And I'm just not interested in in getting involved in that. Um, so, you know, I, I'm very keen to talk to people who don't necessarily agree with me about everything. And I, I hope that I can do that in a in a pleasant and, um, you know, uh, congenial way. So we can actually try and understand each other. And surely that's got to be where we want to go, which is, you know, why I wanted to come on your show, which I was so grateful that you asked me. I legit just want to have a conversation with someone about something I find interesting or what you find interesting. Or like, yeah. I, as soon as I message someone, they go, what's the topic? I'm like, it's a conversation. Have you had one before? Mm. And then it goes, <laughs> it, it goes down to, well, I can do this time or I can do this for an interview. And I'm like, hold on, hold on interview already imprints into your brain that there's a list of questions and it's not going to be free flow where we could talk about whatever we want birds in the sky i don't care it's going to be just two people chatting because that's a gathering and exchange of information and afterwards you should feel a sense of relief you should feel a sense of that was that was fun an hour went by it's, quick it's pretty cool isn't it because you know i'm sitting in england 18 miles north of london 
I've I no idea where you're. Where you're. I'm based. in a Zoom call. I'm probably not even wearing pants. You don't know. <laughs> exactly. That's the but fun we, part about it. <laughs> we can have a chat, and that is brilliant, isn't it? Um, so yeah, I think it's really good. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Um, so have you since since you've been doing these discussions, have you ever kind of changed your mind about anything based on on what a guest has said to you? Um, I wouldn't say I've ever, ch I don't really have a fit opinion to be a hundred percent honest with you. I think I've, I've talked to so many people that now my field of view is just like, if I would have thought like the earth was round, I've heard flat earthers make a very convincing talk about it. And all I ever try and do is I try and bring up the opposing side. So like if me and you say, um, meats amazing then i'm gonna also say well what about the vegan side too you got to see their perspective of it just because it enhances the conversation a little bit but i only think i fall on one object which is mental health i fall very very strongly about where i'm like we need to do a hell of a lot more but stop attacking these giant pillars and focus on what's building these pillars because those are the steps i mean a journey starts with one step and we're like I'm going to fucking head to the ending. I'm like, no, 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 no. Take a, take the steps first. And it, it, it's, it's interesting because I definitely have heard some perspectives on stuff where I'm like, I never thought of it in that way. And it just, if anything, it enhances my own where I'm like, this is what people need to be doing. And it's, it's hard because when you're acting in a lot of buttons, I would say in the world are things that are people's emotional buttons um especially when you see about a life being lost it's very very rare that you'll see someone that doesn't have any emotion towards that usually someone's acting out in some type of way but it, it, here's the crazy part are they acting because they actually care or are they acting because that's what the world will give them the most attention for and i think we can all see that on social media someone puts up a post i'll i'll call her out right now share Cher put up a post about George Floyd and said, if I was there, I could have done something. I spend my nights crying about this. I'm like, shut. Everyone told her to shut the hell up. It was a cry for attention, like throwing a fishing hook in the Disney movies when the dude's sitting on the moon reeling it back. That's what upsets me. It's like, are you really saying these things because you feel this way? Or are you saying this because you think that's what's going to get you the most attention because that's what society wants you to think? Be yourself. You were taught not to be a follower, be a leader. You're not leading anything because you're just preaching what everyone else is already talking about. You're not doing anything different. You're not being extraordinary, but you want the extraordinary attention. I'm not a Post Malone. I'm not going to be making songs and driving a tank inside of an airplane, shooting AK-47s probably ever in my life. At the most, I might upgrade my cable package. But I fucking know this is true. So I'm not going to try and do acts or copy or do what the public thinks that they want me to do. When I do these shows, for instance, I'm not doing it because I think of what my what will my listener like? I'm doing this because who do I want to talk to? Who do I feel like I can actually talk to for an hour and not see it drag on and feel like I'm hurting myself? And I think that's where creativity starts to die i've had so many people start podcasts and i've helped them grow or they've come to me with questions and i'm free to give anybody advice i'm not the best i'm probably one of the worst i don't ever have like one topic the whole entire time it's always all over the place hence the show name <laughs> um 
but someone messaged me and was like, and I helped him start his show and get a bunch of guests. And he goes, yep. I think I've turned my show more into an interview style. And I just like the conversation format like you. And his name's Martin. He owns a show called Pods Like Us, shameless plug for him. But <laughs> he told me, he's like, what do I do? I was like, are you having fun when you're recording the shows? And he goes with some guests, but then some just want to list the questions. I was like, then you got to pick and choose, man. I don't, for me personally, I don't have famous people or I don't reach out to them anymore because they've always been like the scripted, the, the topical mm -hmm. ones. And they just feel very, very one-sided. But when I have someone on like you, that gives me an engaging conversation where there's a back and forth where I'm like, oh, fuck, we're, we're on the same level. You know what I mean? That's, that's yeah. so much better for me. It's so much better for my listeners. It's, it's when you are actually enjoying it, instead of being like, if you're bored, then your listeners bored. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, I think, I think, you know, going back to cults, that's one of the things that cults use is fear. Um, and there's a lot of fear around people saying what they think, isn't there? Which is what you've just described really. So, you know, I'm, I'm afraid to say what I think because I'm, I'm going to upset my group or I'm going to upset somebody else. And that's why, you know, your famous people are, are often, not very good interviews, I'm guessing, because they're afraid of saying something that's going to, um, you know, put put some of their fans off or is going to get them into trouble. So you get to a point where people are, are essentially very boring and one dimensional because they're just going to just give a pat answer and they need the questions up front to know what they should say. Um, so I think that's why you like this sort of format, because it's a bit more free and um, it means that you have to put that fear to one side. Um, but it also requires trust, doesn't it? Yeah. It just gets really crazy because from what I've heard from famous celebrities talk about it, they go, it's it's weird how you don't notice all the people saying that you're awesome, but you'll notice the one person that says you suck. And that's human like, nature. That's it, human nature. That's what's crazy is when you realize you see someone say that, you start to think, "Did I? am I doing something wrong? Rather than just some person who's using an egg for a profile picture with a random fucking username who's not trying to be themselves, just trying to strike a match at you. And that's when it gets difficult because now we're living in a world filled with pseudonyms. And no one's being themselves. That's why I tell people like I'll, I tend to only reach out now to people who are using their name because it, it's so much easier because I want to have a talk with you. I don't want to talk to a fart chicken three who's going to tell me a story and, and it's not truthful. You know, it's so hard with all the fake stuff around now to find authenticity. And I think that's what you, no matter if you were like a, I'm not saying you are, but imagine if you were like a hundred percent of like, a disagreement with me, hey, uh, you know, you're pro whatever. It doesn't matter because this is how you actually feel and how you actually are. You're not just doing it because you want that. You want people to talk shit or you want people to do this. There are people that get famous from being themselves. And there are people that get famous because they know the world wants to hate them. And I don't, I can't live in that hate thing, man. That just seems like way too much to be the bad guy all the time. It's like Floyd Mayweather started out being like this young money champ. And now he's like this bad guy. Like, yeah, you show me the money. And he just talks shit. And it's like, how do you, even Conor McGregor after a while was like, fuck me, man. Like, this is, this is not fun. When I get, when I get a loss, people just hate me. And I'm like, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I think, you know, you, you have to 
uh, you have to ask yourself, what's it getting me? Yeah, what, what's it? Is it making me happy? Um, and so I, that, that's one of the things I've learned is that I know that it, getting into scraps with people constantly doesn't make me happy. It just makes me angry and I don't like feeling that. So I'd rather just have a, a civil conversation with somebody. But like you say, you know, you don't have to agree all the time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, there's things that I, I think that I'm guessing we, we probably disagree on, but that's, that's absolutely cool, isn't it? We can still have that, have what that you, conversation. What do you think? What do you think? Come on, I want to hear one. What? what do you think I disagree about? Well, I, I think I'm much more, um, uh, I suppose, pro things like um, the, from what you said about lockdown and masks and so on, I'm, I'm pretty, um, I, I, obviously, I'm, I'm desperate to go and meet with my friends down the pub, you know? I love the pub and I've not been to the pub for about a year and a half. Um, I've got a cousin that I've only just recently got back in touch with um, because he was also in the group. I'll, I'll say I was a Jehovah's Witness as well. So it's the same as your friend. Um, and I, I can't wait to meet up with my, my cousin again for a, for a whiskey or a, you know, a real ale or something. And so I'm desperate to get out and do things. Um, I just think the reasons for doing it are because we have a, a an infectious disease which is more infectious than we've had before therefore you have to make a decision as a government whether you just let more people die or you say well that's a price we're willing to pay um now i understand that there'll be lots of disagreement about numbers and you know how many people actually died of covid and all of that and um, so I understand, I, I get that. And, you know, I'm not saying I've got all the answers, but that's just an area that I guess we'd perhaps disagree on. But I agree with you 100%. That, that doesn't mean that, you know, we, either of us is a bad person, does it? I agree with you 100%. Like, I understand. My issue is, is just the fact of, like, there's no adjustment. Like, I get it. I, it's a, it's a, you don't want, I don't want anybody to die. But then we're not, we're also seeing the CDC was like, you can't make the, the effect worse than the cause. You know, people were killing themselves during lockdown. Yeah, so we course. got, a, so I was just like, I don't even think we disagree. I think we agree. Like I'm, I'm pro, yeah. I'm pro yeah. lockdown on it too. Like, uh, yeah, but there is a I'll sense tell you what of I like, would like to have seen Rob. I would really have liked, I, I don't know about the USA, obviously. I, I mean, I do watch, I probably know as much of, of your politics and news as I do the UK. Cause you guys have been, um been really interesting recently over the last few years I've been reality your... television i get it <laughs> that's not to say we're any better over here um but you know i think um i would have liked to have seen more adult explanation about things you know like my daughter was asking me she's 25 she's a grown woman but she was talking about you know whether she should do this or do that and she didn't understand why we could do this, but we couldn't do that. And it doesn't seem to make sense. And I think that's an absolutely perfectly logical question to ask. And that's why a lot of people go, well, so I can do this, but I can't do that. You know, I can, I can go and get my hair cut now in the UK. I can go and get my hair cut, but I can't go round to have a, have a meal with my parents, my elderly parents. So that's like the situation I'm in currently in the UK. I got my hair cut last week. Um, for the first time for a year. Um, but I can't go and visit my mum and dad who are in their 80s. So you might say, well, that's ridiculous. You know, why, why is that? And 
it's all about that managing risk. So I talked to, to my daughter and said, look, these are, the, these are all the risks. And from an individual's point of view, you, we're only interested in our own risk and perhaps the people we meet with. But from a government's point of view, they're looking at all the different activities a population might get involved in. And so they're having to make decisions about, well, let's say we can do this, but not this. Because these two bits are risky behaviours, but we can't do both of them, so which are we going to choose? And so those are the decisions that are being made. They don't always feel like they're making sense. Now, I think there's an absolutely good argument to be made that says, well, maybe we've got our priorities in the wrong place. <laughs> you know, so when, when we were um, last year in the UK, we had a period in the summer where lockdown was was um, reduced and the government even gave everybody like a the equivalent of a voucher to go and eat out so it was called eat out to help out it was funded by the government so that you got you got a bit of a discount on your meal if you went for a meal you'd get a discount so the government paid for us to do that but at the same time there were other things that we weren't allowed to do like meet with family and friends in their house. So I think there's a good argument for saying, well, you know, tell, explain to us why this is the right way to do it. But I would have loved the government and other, you know, public health officials to have been a bit more, I don't know, treat, treat people like adults. So let's say this is about managing risk. Here are these risky activities. We made decisions about this because of that. And then we can have an argument about that. Now we've hit the issue I've had in problem with is there wasn't an explanation on things. If you give people an explanation and explain it better to them, rather than tell them they're going to die, you're going to get a lot farther. It's really crazy because what should be positive right now is the incentivizing for getting a vaccine. I, in my mind, the way I think of this is I understand that it was so new. They didn't know. So everything had reason behind it there was a reason behind a lot of it but a lot of that wasn't being explained to the public so if my in my thoughts if you're going to get the vaccine and you want to do all these things go ahead and then live your life but for the people that don't want to don't make it like a pass or an id card to be able to travel or do all these things make sure they're taking the precautions and do your part to do your thing to make sure that you're because some people are like I had a dentist in my mouth and he had COVID and I didn't know, and I never got it. So maybe it's a small rarity that it didn't happen, but at the same time, you're being very, very forceful where now suddenly it's twisted in our heads that they want us to get the vaccine and they're going to give us a bonus for it. Well, that means there's something wrong with it. And I'm like, you see what you fucking did? You tw it should be a good thing. You should be incentivizing. But now it's turned into this fear like, well, now they're paying us. Uh, we were locked down for six, seven months. We didn't get any payment. I mean, it took nine months for the CDC to come out with a, a protocol about it. Like, you, hey, take vitamin D. It's like, where the fuck was that eight months ago? And it, it, you start to look at it like, you are figuring it out as much as we are, but everyone has got it programmed into their brain that they're the government and they know more. And I'm like, no, no, no. They know just as fucking much as we do. And they're trying their hardest with it, but it's so distorted because it took so long because you built up in your head. Oh, they'll be able to protect us. I'm like, yeah, man, they're in the same boat as us, man. We're taking the steps together. Yeah. And if, if the, um, 
if, if those messages are really clear, um, I think it would, would have made life uh, a lot better. So, you know, if, if, if we'd have heard, well, you know, this is a new disease, um, there's a lot we don't know. I, I'm not saying this was never said, but it wasn't said enough. This is a new disease. There's a lot we don't know. Um, this is the research that's been done on it, and this is what we're trying to find out. In the meantime, we're going to take some precautions because we're not 100%. Um, so we want to take some precautions, um, fairly easy precautions that we can take now. And then we'll, when we get the evidence, we'll be able to, to make sort of more um, decisions that will last, if you like. Uh, but just beyond it, but the, the trouble, we live in a society where that will probably be torn to pieces by some news program or somebody else, you know. So and the, politics is a bit like that. You know, sometimes you just wish, why don't you say, I don't know? You know, we have question time in the UK and the prime minister gets questioned by people um, on the opposition. And, and I'm not a liability just, to discuss that. It's like, motherfucker, <laughs> you don't know. Just say, I don't know. Yeah. That's a great question. We don't know yet. We're working on that information right now. And I would respect that. I did too. And so, uh, so my buddy was involved in that FedEx shooting. It happened 30 oh, minutes. Uh, he picked his son up 30 minutes before the shooting happened. So he got very, very lucky. It was actually um, episode 770. I, I saw some of that. Yeah, I saw some of that. So that when I heard that news report on the TV, the cop was like, we don't know yet we don't know yet we're working on it and he said it to every single question being asked and i was like man do they are they not going to figure this out but then i started thinking about the questions being asked they're the same fucking question reworded and put through a different person's voice i'm like you're really showing the public that it's showing cops that are dropping the ball and it's not that it's fucking the same question and you've really had to rewind it and go back and you start to see that through so much of news i watch news on hulu so when i watch it on hulu you can watch it live or you can rewind it back if you have tebow you can do that on normal news too but you really start to like did i hear that correctly then you rewind it back i didn't hear that correctly at all i thought something completely different mm. yeah yeah you're right and it would be uh, it'd be great if we could as a society just um i don't know kind of all just calm down a bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> that would be nice in a perfect world let's do that like hey don't look just calm they're, down. they're pulling their mask down to give their kid a kiss they're not fucking walking over and opening up your mouth and sneezing inside of it you know what i mean like i had someone mention that like about the walmart doors um they closed the outside garden section so now there's only one way in one way out he's mm. like you just made it worse for people to now come across each other when they walk and i'm like yeah you're gonna yeah, get yeah, some yeah. guy yeah. that's gonna sneeze right into your face on purpose <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, well let's hope it is over you know um we, in the uk we uh, our cases have gone down quite a lot um and we think that's because of the vaccine and because of the work we've been doing but yeah again we still don't know um everything so and there's there's these new variants and um there's there's concern about the vaccine so it is still a very um uh confusing and um scary place but i try to keep a balanced view of it all um it will be over at some point and we'll be able to look back at it and tell our kids about it and um yeah or my grandkids in my case um and that will be you know 
something that's happened to us. So Did you just yeah. assume my age. I'm really 40. No. No. Not at all. I'm like 10 and a half. <laughs> well, I know I'm older than you anyway, that is for sure. <laughs> well, look, Stephen, you've given me enough of your time, man. Uh, where can people find your podcast, your Twitter page, your Instagram? Yeah, so um, the, the the podcast is, I suppose, the, the, the big one. That's um, It's called What Should I Think About? What Should I Think About? And you can find it on all the main podcast apps. Um, and we, we've also got a production company, which you can get to the podcast on there and uh, see some of the other things we do called evil sheep. Um, so evil sheep.co.uk, um, which is our, yeah. So, uh, that's, that's another place you can find us. So, um, yeah, but we'd love to get, be lovely to hear people or get people involved in the podcast. Cause that's, that's our big, um, yeah. Labor of love at the moment. So, um, so yeah. Well, I appreciate well, you for being on Stephen. Thank you very much for inviting me. I've really enjoyed our discussion. And uh, good luck for everything you do. Thank you. And thank you for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank Podcast.